Thank you. Can I rock something with you? Sir? Real quick question for you. This lady, this lady, this lady. Do you guys mind if I ask you a quick question? Um, no, no. Quick questions? A couple of them. Sir? Quick question. Ma'am? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Quick grammar question. It's a question about English. Do you know what a noun is? Person, place, or thing? Or idea. Or idea. A person, place, thing, or idea. Person, place, or thing. Or idea. It could be defined as a substantive. Ooh. A substantive? Yes. And what is that? It's a noun. Oh. Do you know what a noun is? It's an adjective. A noun is not an adjective. Person, place, or thing. Person, place, or thing. Subject, place, or thing. The word that you use to describe your action. I don't speak English, I'm sorry, I speak English a little bit. Arabic. Spanish. Arabic. No, Arabic. just Arabic. Todos los dios? I don't speak Spanish, I speak just Arabic. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. Bueno. Okay. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Quick question? Um, no, I think we, we were in a hurry, but thanks. All right. Okay, so a pronoun, do you know what that is? Do you know what a pronoun is? Pronoun describes a noun. No. No, I said that incorrectly. Okay, no. Pronoun, that's... Uh, I, my... Correct. He, she... Pronoun is like a he, she, you. Correct. Let's do another noun question, active noun. I don't really know. What's active like, noun? Your name is? My name's Aaron. Aaron. So Aaron is an active noun. Oh, I just thought that was called a proper noun. Is it a proper noun? Ma'am, do you mind if I ask you a real quick question? You know what a proper noun is? My name would be... Correct. Yes. <laughs> is that like, that's when you capitalize it. First name, it could be the name of a town, of a city, of a country, of... You're from Germany? No, I'm from France. Okay, France is on the southern tip of Germany. Uh, not quite. Eastern tip. Okay, what about a subordinating conjunction? Boy, I, I, I... I don't know what that is okay. either. All right, so thank you. Thank you yeah, have a good one. Yes. I love Nick on Nicklin, and I want to see more of it. And uh, if you want to see more, there are outtakes at the River Valley Facebook page, just to let you know. And uh, I hope we see more of him in future series. He's just got away with it. But uh, we are concluding our series on God's grammar, and uh, we're looking at questions today. Questions from the Bible, and questions uh, from God to God. And I thought about this. We could go a hundred different ways with just this sermon. I mean, think about it. We could either do uh, questions from God to people in the Bible. We could do questions to God. We could do questions about God. Uh, I could field your questions. How many would like that, that I could field your questions? Actually, we're thinking about doing that as a series. Just so you know, a friend of mine at Seacoast Church, uh, he went and did that series, and he said, I want to know your questions, and he had over a thousand questions come in. People wondering, why do we do this at church? What does the Bible say about this? Is this really what this means? And so we're actually looking at doing that as a series and trying to answer, answer the questions that you have. Now, I found out that there are 2,272 questions in the Old Testament, 1,022 in the New Testament, 3,294 overall. That's what I'm saying. We could go a hundred different ways with just this service here and looking at questions. Now, 
to look at questions, I want to say this, that questions are there to help us learn. How many know that? Questions are there to help us learn. It's actually when you're requesting information from somebody. You are saying, I want to know this, and so I'm asking you, who I think has the information, to give me the information. I'm requesting information from you. I want to be smarter. I want to know the answer. And so we ask a question. Now, you may not know this, but even when you're involved in a one-way conversation with somebody, let's just say they're talking and talking and they don't stop and they just keep talking and they don't let you get in there, if you can get in a question, it messes with their mind. Because the mind hears a question and starts wanting to solve the question and give the answer to the question. So if somebody's like just over-talking, throw a question to them and just mess them up, all right? And then maybe you can get in there with a word or two. Questions make us think. Do you realize that? Questions make us think. They help us to connect. They help us to converse. And they help us with God to understand Him better. Matter of fact, you probably have questions right now. These are probably questions that are going on in your mind. How long will he preach? (laughs) Will this be good? Does this matter? What are we eating later? How many know you're thinking that right there in church? So let me just tell you the answers. 25 minutes, hope so, yes, not sure. All right, let's move on. All right. But you got to realize there's questions that you can ask and there's questions that you can't ask. How many know that? Like you should not walk up to a lady and say, can I ask you a question, sir? You should not do that, okay? I'm just letting you know. There's other questions that you can't ask. Did you know there are 30 questions you can't ask in an interview, but you're probably wanting to ask, but you can't ask about somebody's religion? You can't do that in the interview. But you can say, based on the holidays that our company provides, are there any other holidays that you need? You can ask that. Or will you be able to work with the holiday schedule that we have? You can ask that. So there's creative ways to ask that. You can't ask if somebody's married or is that your maiden name or married name. But you can say, did you do work under any other name in the history of the world? Okay, so you can ask those questions. You should never ask a woman how old they are. How many know that? You should not ask that. You should never ask most people how much they weigh, right? You should say, how much do you weigh? You should never say, when's the baby due? Not a good question, right? (laughs) Not a good one, okay? You should never say, do I look fat in this? Or that should be just one you don't answer, guys. Don't answer, don't answer that one. But there are questions you shouldn't ask, and those are things that we should avoid. But there are questions as we look at God's word, I believe that we should ask. How many know sometimes you have kids that, um, ask lots of questions all the time. They ask, matter of fact, um, sometimes they ask awkward questions. The other day I was uh, with someone from church and I walked up and their daughter said something, asked me a question. It was incredibly awkward. And I was just kind of like, how about those Vikings? All right. How about that? But kids ask all sorts of questions. And so just for a moment for the parents or grandparents, I want to give you something here. Um, I actually went out and bought this book years ago Not for this series, but actually for me to parent. For Becca and I, it was 101 questions children ask about God. Now you're thinking, Pastor Rob, you went, you have a Bible degree, you you have knowledge, you're a pastor. I mean, why did you need a book like this? Because I'm trying to explain things in college. And just in case you're wondering, when when you're in seminary, when you're in college, they're trying to give you big words to make it worth the money you're paying, okay? So they're giving you these big, giant words and helping you. And then your kid asks you questions like, does the devil have claws, okay? And you're like, I 
maybe, I don't know, let me look. How many know? And so you need like a book like this, okay? And so that's why I bought it. Simply put, I bought it because as a parent of, of two boys, uh, I needed some help in raising them. And so you're thinking, well, Pastor Rob, if you need that, then I need it too. So you probably do. And, and you can get something like this or a book similar or this one. I found this one to be good. But here's the thing. Kids ask these questions, and I just thought this would be helpful for just a moment. It said, it's easy to respond to anything a child asks with the answer, just because. That may be a response, but it's not an answer, and it's certainly unsatisfying to the child. But how many know, parents, sometimes you got to pull that one out, right? you got to, just because, because I said so. But it said, instead, parents should handle their children's questions with loving care, seeing them for what they are, bubbles of curiosity, fresh moments of honesty, and exciting opportunities to teach. Yeah, whatever. Okay. But anyway, it's true. But anyway, uh, here's some just pointers. It says, look for the question behind the question. Okay? Look for the question behind the question. Like a child may say, does the devil really have a pitchfork? Okay, well, the question behind the question is probably this, can the devil harm me? Can the devil harm me? So you may say, why do you want to know that? Well, I'm just wondering, can he get me with that pitchfork? And then you can answer the question behind the question. Another thing is be careful about making up an answer when you don't have the answer. Parents, do not make up an answer when your child asks you a question about God. You're like, well, because uh, angels do that. You know, don't do that. Because what will happen then, if the child sees that you're making things up about theology, what's going to happen, their view of God is going to be put in the same category with Santa and the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy and other things, and you don't want that to happen. If you don't know the answer, you should say, I don't know that, but we'll find out together. Why don't we go talk to one of the pastors? Or why don't we research that together? Okay? Amazing thing. Logan, our youngest, asked me about Romans 9. And he was asking me about this. He's like, Dad, let's talk about this. Calvinism versus Arminianism. What does Romans 9 say? And we went and studied it and dug into it. I loved it. It was one of the happiest days. And I didn't just say, well, no. I said, you know what? You kind of stumped me on that one. Let's look this one up. So don't make it up to your kids. Be ready for follow-up questions. If they follow it up with another question, that's the mark of a good answer. Another thing is make your answers concrete. You know, we, you just don't want to talk about things that are hard for them to understand. Again, bringing it back down. That's why I went and got a book like this. And another thing is always take your children's questions seriously. I know you can laugh later and uh, you can use them as illustrations. And one thing you may not know, when I use our kids for an illustration, we always pay them $5. So they're always thrilled. So, uh, but I'd, I'd laugh and I'm like, that's good sermon material. But anyways, sometimes kids uh, will ask things like, one child said, um, why do we pray in Jesus' name and M&Ms? You know, and they didn't, you know, they kind of missed it there. And another child asked their parent, why do we need turtle's life? And they heard eternal life, and they kind of got it mixed up. Why do we need turtle's life? And I, can you imagine that if you're a parent, you're like, you know. But anyways, take them seriously and get something like this. Just a little help for parents, grandparents, because we want to answer their questions, and that's a good thing to ask questions. And if I could say that about God right now, I believe he's okay with us asking questions. I believe asking questions of God is a good thing, and I believe as his children, we can ask him questions. And as we look in the Bible, the first thing I noticed is that giants in the Bible asked questions of God. I'm talking people that would be in the hall of fame of faith 
They asked questions of God, and God was okay with it. The very first person in the Bible to ask a question of God is Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 18, we have this, that Abraham goes and asks God a question. Here's what he says. It says, the men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? First question ever asked of God. He says, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Second question. Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Third question. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Another question. So here we are with the first glimpse of someone asking a question of God. And you know what's interesting to me? From this example, it shows me that asking questions of God is okay. God doesn't go, Abraham, how dare you question me? Let's get this straight. If you're going to follow me and I'm going to be your God, no questions. Doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. In the midst of this, God goes, okay, right. Okay, for 50 people, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I won't do it. And then Abraham goes along to, okay, for 40, for 40, I know 50 was good. 40 people, because I've been there. I'm not sure there's 50. So 40, if there were 40, would you spare it for 40? Yes, 30, 20. He gets down to 10. He gets down to 10. And, and can you just see this exchange just for a moment? See it, a, a loving heavenly father and his uh, son, Abraham, and he's there. He said, yeah, you're gonna, I'm going to be your heavenly father, and I'm with you. I'm your heavenly father. And, and he's asking, but why? But why? 50, 40, 30, 20. And, and, and God has the patience in that. An amazing thing. And I see from this that God is okay with us asking him questions. Okay? But I do notice this about Abraham. Notice the whole time he's asked questions, he's like, God, you're good. You are surely a God as good as you. A God so righteous as you. As I ask you this, please, please, just one more question. Do you see the respect there? Do you see the honor in the question? I think that's important. Now, another thing that I see is after Abraham, we have another guy that I, I think just asks a ton of questions and, again, shows that God is very, very patient. Moses. In Exodus chapter 6, uh, God has chosen Moses to deliver his people from Egypt. And God uh, is talking to him, and then it says this, but Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? And he's saying, you know what? God, I got a speech problem. And in case you're wondering, I don't think you should have picked me. And so I got a question for you, because the Israelites don't even respect me there, and so you want me to go talk to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and, and I don't even speak that well? You know, I, I don't do really good? I, 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 I just thought for a moment there, I got to share what was in my head. It was not in my notes, but I'm sure Moses was like, could I just get a teleprompter, Lord, because I don't speak? You know, anyways, so anyways, just my mind was going, anyways, bring it back. Bring that thought captive. All right, anyways. But he's like, I don't speak good. I make mistakes. Why me, God? And it's an amazing thing. I love this. God gives him answers. God gives him answers. He doesn't say, Moses, I picked you. I know what I'm doing. He says, Moses, in chapter 7, right away, he said, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the words to say. 
You're going to go before Pharaoh. Pharaoh's not going to listen. So just realize this. Then I'm going to send plagues, and then ultimately you're going to be set free. All of them are leaving. That's the plan. God gives him the answers. And when I look at that, again, I just think God has so much patience with Moses. I think that when we ask questions, he's like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And I think that he will many times give us some answers. We can see that from Moses. But I think also there's times that he doesn't give us the answers. Another example, Joshua. As we're just looking through the Bible at questions, Joshua loses a battle at the city of Ai. That's the word, Ai. That's the city. He gets done. They fought at Jericho. They took Jericho. God's done an amazing thing. They go to attack Ai. And he says, you know, we... We only need half the troops we were thinking. It's going to be a cakewalk. Let's go do this. They lose. They lose in battle. And all of a sudden, Joshua's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, what happened? What happened? What happened here? And in Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 7, it says, And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? See the question there. If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out your name from the earth, our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Notice the question there. He's, he's realizing, he's saying, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And there's a couple of key things that he does in his questioning. He shows humility. He shows humility. And one translation says, pardon your servant. God, I'm even sorry that I have to bring this up. But notice this, the faith that is implied in his question. You may not catch this, but the faith that is implied in his question is, God, they're going to wipe out our name. And if I was listening to my elders and listening to the story... Your name is great, and you're going to do it through your people. And if we get wiped out, how does the mission go forward? And so his question is not like, why, God? Why? His question is like, whoa, I believe you're great. I believe you're amazing. I believe we're on mission for you, God. And I'm having trouble with this because it looks like if we keep losing these battles, the mission dies, and, and your name is great, and you're amazing, and we're on mission for you, and I believe in you. Do you catch the difference of the way the question is asked? There's some lessons we can learn in the way that we ask God questions. Famous guy for asking questions would be Job. How many know that? You can't talk about questions without Job. And Job chapter 38, God answers, and he says this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. How many of you don't want to hear that from God? <laughs> I looked at that phrase, brace yourself. Brace yourself. This is what God was basically saying. In their day and age of Job, there was a type of wrestling that they did. It was called belt wrestling. They had a belt that was wrapped around it, kind of like a sumo belt you know, thing, and they had that around it, and they would grab hold of each other. 
And this is the way that they prove how strong they are. And they grab hold of each other's belt and they try to knock the other one down by twisting on their belt. And then when they throw them down, they tear their belt off them. And God's like, brace yourself. You and I are about to belt wrestle. I know that Job's like, yeah, a forfeit, forfeit, I quit, I quit, I quit. And so that's what's going on. He's saying, brace yourself. And in the midst of this, God asks 60 different questions to Job. And Job's like, pass. God asks another, pass. Pass again. I pass, I'm out, you win. I mean, just think about it. God's asking all these questions. And if I could say this, many times when you ask God a question, he answers it with a question. Are you ready to wrestle? Because that's the way God does it. Many, many people believe this, and I myself believe this, that God loves it when we ask questions in the right way. I believe God's looking for people that say, I want to know more about you, God. I want to understand more in a reverent, respectful way. And I think he's like, I'm looking for active faith. I'm looking for something that's happening. I'm looking for you and I to get to know each other better. And if I just keep hammering all the answers to you, you're going to get lazy. But let's wrestle with the questions. Let's go through this. Let's understand each other. Let's dialogue. Let's be in relationship together. And in the midst of this, Job doesn't get answers, but he gets this. I'm God. I'm in your life. I'm the answer. It's an amazing thing. Let's wrestle with God, with our questions. Now, David is another guy that asks questions. We don't have time to go into uh, his story, but Psalm 10.1 says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalms 88.14, Why, O Lord, do you reject me and you hide your face from me? You know, a lot of David's questions, a lot of the psalmist's questions, he's like, Lord, why? Why? I'm just, I'm really trying. I'm being faithful I'm trying, I, I, I'm struggling. So on that same note, let me jump to another one here, Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a minor prophet, and he speaks to God on behalf of the people. Now, I just want you to understand this. Usually when God had a prophet, it was God, the prophet, and the people. And God would speak to the prophet, and the prophet would say, God's saying this to you, do that. Now, in Habakkuk, it's interesting, the whole thing is turned around. Habakkuk's like, God, I've been talking to the people. I've been talking to the people, and here's the things we're wondering. Okay, God, here's what we're wondering. Okay, so you got to understand, it's really changed the direction in Habakkuk. So we get a a look into something here that should relate to our life. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, How long, O Lord, must I call out for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Okay, because he's looking around, and the Chaldeans, who were later known as the Babylonians, have invaded them, and they're ruling over them. And he's like, God, in case you didn't notice, they're really bad people. They're really bad people, and I'm looking at all these bad things going on, and I'm realizing we're the good people. We're the good guys. And I'm trying to figure this out, and we're all wondering, God, what, what's happening here? Why is this going on? So let me take what Pastor David Platt put into modern terms, the questions that Habakkuk is asking, because I think you can relate to these. First of all, he's saying, God, do you hear? Do you hear? Because I'm crying out. Do you hear? Because I'm crying out. Maybe you've thought that. God, do you hear? Because I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. God, do you care? 
Do you care? Because I'm wondering, like, I thought we were here for on purpose. He's asking, is God good? Is God good? And I think we asked that question. He's asking, is God holy? Is God holy? Because we're in this evil and we're here. If you're holy, you, I'm wondering if you just wipe that out. He's wondering, where is your power? Where's your power? Because really, God, you're powerful. You're way stronger than Chaldeans. I've heard the stories. You are so much stronger. Where's the power? And then he's wondering, can your word be trusted? Maybe you've thought that. Can God's word be trusted? Where's his power? Where's the deliverance? Where's this going on? And ultimately, he's saying, God, are you worthy of my trust? Because I'm trying to figure this out. Are you worthy of my trust? And you know what God answers him? In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, he says, but the righteous will live by his faith. Like, that's it? It's like, the righteous will live by his faith. The righteous will live by his faith, and he's got to have faith. And you're going to have to trust God when you have questions. And he doesn't even return it with a question. He just, there's silence. You're going to have to learn to live by faith. Now, one of the things I just got to confess and say is that I'm still learning this, okay? I'm still learning this. In the past couple months, we have been trying to make some strategic moves for the church, and I'm like, this must be the Lord's will. This has to be the Lord's. So good. Thank you, Lord. And then it doesn't happen. I'm like, Lord, what happened? With all due respect, uh, sorry about that. You know, like, Lord, what, what happened? Lord, I thought we're on mission here. I thought you called us to that city or to those people. I thought they were the person. What happened? And it looks so good, Lord. And then we, Beck and I have had at least three or four of these things happen in the last couple months where it's like, we thought this was the Lord's will and we're wondering like, Lord, what happened? And also he's like, oh, right here, that's even better, isn't it? And I'm like, oh, why did I even question you? And then over again, oh, why did I question you? Oh, why did I, like three or four times. So here, if I'm still struggling with this, I know we're in this and maybe you're way beyond me on this and you're like, yeah, I got that. I'll live by my faith. But I still struggle because I try to figure it out. I try to figure it out, and I forget, I need to wrestle with God. And, and, and the sad thing is, is I, as I've been wrestling with him, usually he, he deals with issues. How many know that? I'm like, Lord, what happened right here? And, then, and he goes, now, see how much better I worked that out? Let's deal with your attitude. See how much better I did that? Let's deal with your patience. See how much better? Let's deal with that. So I'm just kind of like, Hey, anything goes. Praise God. All right. Let's just go with this. All right. Your ways are so much higher. Yes, I know that. So here's a couple things. When you ask God a question, no pride, no arrogance, no haughtiness. If there is, I guarantee you he will not give you an answer, but he'll deal with your heart. He'll deal with your heart. And so just, if you're going to ask God a question, you ask in humility, with honor, with respect. And even willing to say, if I don't get an answer, that's, I'm, just, I'm, I'm on mission. I'm just looking for a clarity because I'm on mission with you. And I'm just looking for some clarity as I'm on mission with you. Now, a couple things if you don't get the answer that you're looking for. The first thing is you're probably expecting the answer too soon. How many know that? You're like, Lord, I need this answer by three. And God's like, I can outweigh you on that one, you know. I got all eternity to do it. You know I mean? He can outweigh So... You just, sometimes you're just too quick. Another thing is this, sometimes an unanswered prayer might be his answer. Another thing is he may be testing your faithfulness, or it might just be a really, really bad question. 
Have you ever asked a question that was so bad that a person says to you, that's such a bad question, I'm not even going to answer it? Do you think God does that? Like, that's so bad, I'm, we're not answering that one. I'm not. That's so bad. It's so off mark, I'm not answering that one. But while waiting, let's be submitted, let's wait patiently, let's grow in our understanding of God as we're wrestling as we're going through this, let's grow in our understanding of God with the questions that we have. Let me do this with the just moments we have left. Let me focus on the very first question that God asks. The very first question that God asks is found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? First question God asks, where are you? Now, I want to say this. When we sin, how many know we like to hide from God? We like to disengage. We like to pull away. There's a term the church uses, even backsliding. It says, I'm sliding away. I'm pulling away. I'm, I'm disengaging from God. And when we've done something wrong, we hide. I remember when Connor was little, um, he did something wrong. He was probably three years old, maybe four. And I remember he hid behind the curtains and he did something wrong. And we're like, Connor, Connor, where are you, Connor? And he's hiding behind the curtains and we're screaming in the neighborhood. We're like calling the police, like Connor's gone. And after like 15 minutes, it was way too long. He comes out and he goes, I was hiding. You know, and we're like, ah, you know, don't do that. You know, but he knew he did something wrong. And so he hid. And just like we were screaming out his voice, I believe God is calling out your voice. And he's calling out your name, and he's saying, you know what, where are you? Where are you? Where you're at? Where you're at? We don't do this very often, but could I say this? If you are far away from God and you would fit that category of backsliding, you know you're away from God. You know that you're distant. I want to tell you this. I believe God's saying to you right now, where are you? And the first question that he asks is one of relationship. And he says, I want to be in relationship with you. I created you for a relationship with me. And I don't want you distant. I don't want you away from me. I want you in relationship. And so this would be a call today for those that are distant from God, that have drifted away, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, where are you? Where are you? You're distant. Come back. You're far away from me. Come back. There may be even those that are here, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, but you feel the Holy Spirit saying, where are you? And you know it's time to get right with God. This is the moment. It's the first question he asks. And I believe he's been saying it over and over and over again. And until time's up, I believe God's going to keep saying, where are you? Where are you? I desire to have a relationship with you. And I'm just praying here and at every campus that we'll answer that question and say, God, here I am. I desire to get closer to you. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes, and pray for just a moment? And I want to pray in all seriousness for those right now that are far away from God, you're here and I want you to hear the Holy Spirit speak those words to you. Where are you? You're distant. You're away. Where are you? It's time to come back. In your mind, you probably have questions like this. Could I be forgiven of that sin? And the answer is yes. In your mind, you're thinking, is this too big for God to forgive? And the answer is no. In your mind, you're thinking, can it really be that God would want me back? And the answer is yes. 
And I'm just praying that all of us here would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, where are you? Where are you? If you are distant, I pray you'd come back. I pray that you'd return to the love that you knew, the relationship that was real, that was strong, and you'd lay aside those things that have pushed you away from God as he says, where are you? So Lord, I pray right now that they would hear that voice, the Holy Spirit speaking to them, saying, where are you? They'd repent, they'd turn from those ways, they'd come back into a hot, vibrant, on-fire relationship with you that wrestles through the questions. Maybe it was a question about you that caused them to walk away or get cold. I pray they'd wrestle through that question and be close to you, God. Let us wrestle and let us draw closer to you with the questions that we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.